unfortunately, back to the Soundproof Podcast. We're back, finally. We took a brief hiatus that, you know, was was somewhat out and somewhat in of our control, but here we all are. We're back. My name is Brendan Lewis. I go by MrBDog46 on the internet, and he is Jake Muller. He goes by Major Bowman on the internet. He does indeed. Thanks for joining us here on episode 8 of Soundproof, even though, you know, we're about seven days behind where we usually are. It's fine. You know, we had a lot going on last week. Something came up last minute. We have a lot going on this week, too. We have a lot going on always. That's a pretty good rule of thumb. <laughs> We're important um, people. <laughs> but, but we just we didn't think we could create something that we would be proud of last week, so we decided to hold off. And we're very happy with what we've put together this week and going forward. We have some pretty cool ideas, so don't go anywhere. Yes, it should be up to our usual standards, which are... You know, we think they're pretty good. I don't know what you guys <laughs> think. If you think our standards are good, please let us know. If you don't, don't tell us. Um, and we're going to keep on doing what we do. Uh, but just to recap, uh, a little change to what our scheduling is going to be. I think we mentioned this on Twitter, so if you follow us, you'll know this already. But we are pushing our record or our release date uh, from Thursday to Friday, which uh, is entirely Jake's fault. Uh, oh, okay. I'm very flexible and open to recording. So the one who is complaining about all this work he but... has to do after we record tonight. <laughs> so uh, we are like people that do things during the day and um, don't as sad, get paid as sad as to make is. this podcast, yeah. and therefore we have to prioritize accordingly. Um, so we're going to push the uh, release day back to Friday just because it works a little bit better for both of our schedules. So yeah. Hopefully that doesn't impact your day-to-day function too much, and if it does, I don't care. So uh, <laughs> we're going to jump into our show for this week, and as always, we are stu- we will start out with Episode 8 and all of the Dash 08 Pokemon um, before going through our ladder and results. And then at the very end of our show, well, not the very end, but the second half of our show, uh, we will be joined by Steven Mia, uh, most recently of Top 8 Worlds fame, to discuss Ooh. local events. Um, so we think that's a pretty cool... Um, topic and a good person that we've selected to do it so let's jump right into it here um the dash 08 pokemon of course the first one i feel like most people should be able to identify if you play this game it is war turtle we've just kind of been counting yeah. up here um you know uh i wasn't i didn't have anything to say about war turtle until like two days ago you know there's that twitter account i don't know if you follow it dr lava's last lost pokemon or whatever no have you seen, oh okay well there's this there's this twitter account that tweets out all the like the Pokemon, like all those Pokemon that didn't get released because they were in betas or whatever, mm-hmm. um, like when the the beta information leaked. But anyway, Wartortle originally had an evolution that wasn't Blastoise, oh. and Blastoise was like a standalone Pokemon. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, you just I tweeted no that idea. out recently. I thought yeah. that was really cool. So there you go, Wartortle. Um, uh, number one oh eight is uh, Lickitung, which is. <laughs> Probably the most one of the most like just kind of generally uh, generally disturbing Pokemon. I would <laughs> yeah, say. and it I, got worse uh, with the advent of like the Gen Six moving uh, models oh, yeah. as opposed to sprites. <laughs> Mr. Mime is one of those two. Like yeah. Mime was yes. a little creepy at first, and then it got the like moving like robotic robots. Yes. I, just, yep. I don't know. It was crazy. I, like my favorite Lickitung thing though is Jessie's in the anime when she accidentally oh, yeah. she accidentally trades it for the Wobbuffet. And I'm sorry, look at tongue, but Wobbuffet is way more entertaining than you because yeah. <laughs> I love didn't that she, Wobbuffet so didn't much. Didn't she catch it by accident too in the first place? The lick a tongue. Uh, I think she was. No, no, it was an accident. Oh. She like I think it tried to eat her food, and then she got mad and threw a pokeball at it. Oh, okay. And, like, caught it. <laughs> There's something they caught by accident. I forget what it was. Um. Anyway, the next one, number two oh eight, 
uh, is Steelix, which is, uh, you know, like a cool Pokemon by design, um, has rarely ever had VGC relevance. Never had VGC relevance. Not if you ask Wolf. Didn't Wolf have like a Oh, Steelix that's team? right, that damn Steelix team. Yeah, that was, like a, <laughs> that was like a whole meme. I thought it was a cool team, but it took on like a life of its own on Twitter. Right. And it got kind of annoying. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next Pokemon number 308 is uh, Metacham, um, which is one of those Pokemon that if you had told me before the season would be a VGC relevant, I would have laughed at you. Right. Uh, but here we are. Uh, it was taken to a finalist finish at NAIC by Graham Amity and uh, is apparently a little bit of a thing now. I haven't. I've had enough of Metacham. It's like stupid good in um, Pokemon Go PvP, and actually uh, okay. it got nerfed recently, which I'm happy with. But it's still like top ten, and I would like to see it be more like top hundred because it's annoying and I hate it. It was good before they gave it Power Up Punch. It was okay before Power Up Punch. It was busted with Power Up Punch, but Pup uh-huh. is what got nerfed. They like they have the power of Pup. Oh, okay. like straight up have it. <laughs> they took just like they took it away from Kang. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the next Pokemon number four hundred eight is Kranidos, which uh, like generally means nothing to me. Although it is yeah. that like that one rock uh, sync pair in Masters that kind of points to how stupid the recoil mechanic in the game is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know Kranidos is kind of like a non-starter for me. It just kind of exists. Yeah, it is. When we get to um, Rampardos next time, I'll have plenty yeah, to say Rampardos about that. Yeah, Rampardos is kind of Kranidos. Sure, okay. Eh. Well, we'll look forward to Jake talking about Rampardos. <laughs> uh, but for now, the next Pokemon is Stoutland, uh, which I think is cool. I've always kind of liked Stoutland. Like, I, I am not, like, super attached to Gen 5 in general just because, it, like, it's nothing against the generation. It's just not one that I have any nostalgia towards because I didn't really get to play it at the time it was around. Mm-hmm. But I've always liked Stoutland. It's very cool. I think its competitive design is even kind of neat where it's like a dog that runs around in the sand. Um, yeah. But, yeah, cool Pokemon. Um, the next one is uh, Phantump, which is the less cool and less cute <laughs> of the ghost grasts that were introduced uh, in Gen 6. Uh, I don't know about that. Pumpkaboo is adorable, and it's October. I, you cannot say anything bad about Pumpkaboo. I'm not saying anything bad about Pumpkaboo. I'm just saying I also like Phantom. I, think I, I Phantom, like Phantom too, but yeah. I don't think it's like a real competition between Phantom, Phantom and Phantom is Pumpkaboo. more spooky, though. Gorga, or Pumpkaboo is like the cute pumpkin-y, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. it's Halloween, and then Phantom is the... Like, Phantom has the nightmare fuel lore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> and then the last Pokemon of the week, uh, I believe this is number 808, uh, yep. is Meltan. Yes. Um, which is, uh, was the first Pokemon that was released for Gen 8, so it is interesting in that regard. And it's even kind of a cool Pokemon. I think it's cool. It's cute. Um, for, I like for, the concept, uh, too. Yeah. I like, like Melmetal. Cool they, they all come together to become Melmetal. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right, so that's it for our uh, little Dex review here for this week. Um, and again, next week we'll, we will be jumping into Dash 09, where we get to talk about Blastoise and Friends. So look forward <laughs> to that. N- not next week, next episode. But for now, we'll jump forward into the ladder before going in through um, our results. So uh, just kind of to preface a little bit, the ladder was like <laughs> kind of all over the place this week. Yeah. I was trying to find like some sort of like you know trend or. Uh, anything kind of relevant to pull out of it but it was just kind of going between like these these like super standard teams and then uh this team that's sitting here at where was it oh at number eight that we'll talk about in just a sec um but there were 31 teams and we pulled uh 20 teams out of the replays 
so pretty good numbers. I think Jake yeah. still has the record for 20 teams out of 30, but um, <laughs> at number one on the ladder this week, and I actually do like this team a lot, is Groudon, Necrozma, Duskmane, Kangaskhan, Incineroar, Stakataka, and Tapu Koko. Big Groudon weakness, but other than that, like it's oh, pretty wow. cool looking. Yeah, that's a really bad Groudon weakness. <laughs> I didn't yeah. even realize that at first glance. There's what, one, two, three, four, yeah. five weeks if you count Dustmane? No Balloon resist. Balloon uh, I guess it's probably Kang... it's probably Ultra, so I guess you could at least like Earth Power it for a bunch. But does Kang get Stomping Tantrum? Uh, I know it gets Bulldoze. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what kind of like text you could possibly put on there. You uh, can't balloon, even like Aqua Tail. Balloon no Coco. Coco. <laughs> Where's balloon the Aqua Tail? I don't know. Oh, you could. Yeah, that's right. Tail you could Aqua Tail, but it doesn't help now. No. Um, at number four on the ladder is uh, X-Ray, standard Pado X-Ray with Xerneas, uh, Rayquaza, and Sinfinia, Moongus, Nihiligo. And, uh, you know, we've talked about that one at length on this podcast. I'm yeah. kind of surprised how it sort of remains relevant uh, right. after it seemed like it died, you know, a couple weeks ago. But here we are still uh, watching X-Ray, you know, pull results just like it did at the Open. Uh, at number five on the ladder, uh, in the ongoing, you know, copy-paste Pokemon into the last, you know, four slots on Rayogre, is uh, <laughs> Coco, Wim, and Cinnamungus, which is maybe a unique combination that we've seen on the ladder, but definitely not anything I'm surprised to see. No, like, maybe the unique six, but, like, six of a nine or ten that we always see, so... Yeah, definitely. It's, like, one month off from the, like, Madison version of the... Rogov team. Yeah, I think it's Amoongus instead of Stack, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, at number seven on the ladder is what's kind of become like a pretty standard Xerneas Lunala 6, although I uh -huh. think sometimes you see Feeny on there, but uh, it is Xerneas Lunala Kang, Crobat, Insin, and Amoongus, and I think Xerneas Lunala Kang, Crobat is kind of like the standard core for XL at this point in the format. Yeah, I, th I think so. Like, Crobat gives you like a Zern matchup because Zern Lunala playing that Zern mirror is pretty bad, so yep. uh, it makes sense. You have like a pretty good way to stop other Xerneas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of what Crobat's calling card is. Yeah. Um, at number 8 on the ladder is where we really go out to left field here with uh, Rayquaza, Eveltal, Togedemaru, Serena, Tentacruel, and Excadrill. What? <laughs> <laughs> There's three rapid spinners. I mean, like, you sort of see the thought process, right? Where you're like, okay, Rayquaza, Eveltal. I don't have any Xerneas matchup. <laughs> but then that's where the thought process goes off the rails when the Xerneas matchup was elected to be Tentacruel and Excadrill. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, it makes sense. that You have Ray and Eveltal, they're both weak to rock, and you have Serena, Tentacruel, and Excadrill that can all rapid spin the rocks away. Ah, of course. Okay, yeah. so this is a stealth rock. Okay, I see. Um, question. Uh, when Delta Stream is on the field, does that reduce the damage from stealth rock? That's a good question. I actually don't know. Is It'll it never reduce attacks? it from Ray itself because you come on the field before the ability's activated. But like, if if Ray's already on the field and Evil Tall comes in, yeah, I don't know. It's huh, a good question. Where's the Wobblefoot? <laughs> Where's Leonard? <laughs> Test it. Oh, we need to know. Test it for us. <laughs> At eleven on the ladder this week, we go back to standard with Xerneas, Groudon, Incineroar, Feeny, Salamence, and Shedinja. And I think that's on the ladder two or maybe three times this week. Oh, uh, but again. Shedinja is standard uh, standard Zerndon at this point, Ugh, so, so get used to it. Uh, <laughs> at number good. 12 on the ladder, though, we go very far in the other direction with Rayquaza, Ho-Oh, Chansey, Coco, Incineroar, and Ferrothorn. This definitely isn't the first Chansey we've seen on ladder on this podcast mm, either. Nope. I think it's the first Chansey on that archetype, though. Usually well, it's been on... It's been on um, 
uh, on uh, Reynala. On I think most of the teams that have Rayquaza and Ho-Oh are probably the first unique teams of that archetype because there's probably like two in total. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that, when you put it that way, sure. <laughs> <laughs> At 13 on the ladder is Necrozma, Duskbane, Kyogre, Hitmontop, Coco, Serena, and Mawile, uh, which people are committed to using for whatever reason. But this looks like one of those like potentially... Um, like. Um, what's it called? Uh, Solganium. Uh, yeah. If this isn't Trick Room, I'll eat a shoe. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be Trick Room with some sort of, yeah. you know, like berry or safety goggles. And I don't. I don't even know what else they. I'd run. be pretty mad if that hit on top isn't wide guard either, because otherwise I don't think there's a reason not to use Incineroar in that slot. Yeah. I mean, it makes your Groudon matchup a tiny bit better, I guess, which it looks to be lacking. Well, yeah, I mean, that would be the wide guard part, too. Like, right, yeah. Wide guard Ogre makes Groudon worthless, but, like, if it's yep. not wide guard, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Um, at 14 on the ladder, as we take our tour through standard Xerneas Groudon teams, this one being Kangtorn in Cinnamungus, which is, uh, thank, thank God, more standard than... Uh, Como and Mawile, which were <laughs> at, at the very point. least my gripes with the team. I even Kyle is, hasn't even using Como anymore. Yeah, this is this is a little bit more palatable. <laughs> um, at 15, uh, same as before, Xerneas, Groudon, Salamence, Incineroar, Tapu Fini, and Shedinja. Um, at, at 16 on the ladder is Spain, Rain, uh, Ray, Ogre, Insin, Coco, Kartana, Nihiligo, which uh, might end up just being the defining Ray Ogre team of the format. Especially um, post-Worlds, I would think. Yeah, it definitely is, and it's going to be the most common one, I think. Yeah. Um, but we all know what it does at this point. Super strong team. Um, at 17, as people are trying to continue to play with Groudon Lunala, uh, this team features Metagross, Coco, Crobat, and Incineroar, which isn't the worst combination I've ever seen, but I'm, you know, still kind of have a hard time understanding Groudon Lunala, even though, like, it's clearly very good. I mean, our huge thing is, thing. like, the... It's the Evil Tall matchup, like, for us. That's the thing we've always harped on, and this has Coco. Mm -hmm. And then, like, Metagross can Iron Head it. I don't know. It can Thunder Punch <laughs> it. Oh, I guess that's a thing. Yeah, I, yeah. that probably doesn't KO. I mean, yeah, and you can Super Fang it, too. I guess it's it's workable. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, tenuous, but it's okay. Yeah. Um, at 18... Kyogre, Eveltal, Tapu Lele, Mawile, Kartana, and Gothitelle. What are people thinking Gothitelle is a Pokemon in restricted interesting. formats? Interesting. I feel like we've talked about it before. It's we just have. like, oh, <laughs> nice. I'm going to switch in my Gothitelle and take 75% yeah. <laughs> from a Precipice Blades. Gothitelle is a Pokemon where the average attack does like 30 or 40 to it, not like 60 yeah, or 70. It's just too much. Yeah. Like, it's too much. It just, like, there aren't enough EVs to, to put where you want them to go. Right. And now that Z Incineroar is a thing, like, it's not even necessarily the Restricteds that you have to worry about. Yeah, true. I don't know. If you can make Gothitelle work, obviously Trap is super good, but, like, yeah. good luck. Gothma in Restricted formats. Uh, at 19 on the ladder, Xerneas, Groudon, Kangtorn, Incinemungus. At 21 on the ladder, uh, Ray, Ogre, Coco, Crobat, Incin, and Ferrothorn, which, again, might be a unique six, but, like, sure, it's a Ray Ogre team. Yeah. It's a Ray Ogre team. It sure is a Ray Ogre team. Um, at 22 on the ladder is uh, Groudon, Dawnwings, Necrozma, Kangaskhan, Tapu Fini, Amoongus, and Stack Attack. I think that's actually kind of cool. Yeah, that's neat. I, I, I haven't I really dislike. seen anything like that before. Dawnwings is interesting because you get the that's, Moongeist That's just beam. the one thing is you'd have to sell me on Dawnwings. Like, well, like, it's like what specifically is it there moon for? Moongeist Beam. Like, that's the reason to use it over Duskmane, because I think if you're not running Moongeist Beam, you'd 
run Duskmane, even if you're still like full special ultra. So then, what are you running it over Lunala for? For ultra. Uh... Oh, that's what Tommy ran. He ran Moongeist right, on ultra. ultra. Yeah, right. I, I I like it because Moongeist lets you hit other ultra, lets you hit Lele. Like you have a Lele matchup as ultra, that mm -hmm. doesn't. Because like if you're if you're Duskmane, like you don't take damage from Lele, but you also don't damage it back. Right. But if you're Dawnwings, you can Moongeist it. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Sure, I'm on board. Um, at 25 on the ladder is Groudon, Evil Metagross, Coco, Incineroar, and Landorus. Um, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's fine. Like, Have it's, we seen I, that? Like, not anything that you'd be surprised to see. Yeah. Um, we've seen that Ashen, with like Gengar maybe? over the Metagross. That's yeah, maybe that's what it is. I was yeah. gonna say we've seen at least like five of those. Right. And then obviously a Metagross, Coco, Incin is uh, the team that top forward, but Landorus over the Mimikyu. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's fine. I think the Mimikyu kind of does more of the things that that team wants than Landorus does mm -hmm. there, but I mean, it kind of depends on how you play it, I guess, right? Speaking of Mimikyu... <laughs> Speaking of Mimikyu, the next team at 27 is Xerneas, Groudon, Salamence, Incineroar, Tapu Fini, and Mimikyu, and I believe that's the team that Chris Khan yeah. and brought at Worlds. That's what and he brought to Worlds. Kind of like, I, I think that's a cool version of Xerneas, Groudon. I actually like that one a lot. I really like Mimikyu, yeah. I think it's pretty... Fariora, the Fariora Mimsy is, like, super cool. Yeah, definitely. like that a lot. Um, at 28 on the ladder, Dawn Wings, Necrozma, Xerneas, Metagross, Crobat, Incineroar, and Amoongus. Yeah, I, I kind of like Dawn Wings on this too. It's like this is definitely Ultra, but like Moongeist gives you a way to hit Metagross with your Ultra mm -hmm. for harder. Like obviously at Birth Power already, but Moongeist hits a little bit harder. Um, I feel like I have a hard time giving up Tapu Lele on those sorts of teams. Yeah, I don't know. Ultra is a lot less threatening without Lele. That's definitely true. Yeah, but I mean, like, I get why the other Pokemon are there, I guess, right. but I don't know. I'm on a big Lele kick, personally, so hmm. don't, maybe it will just explain it as a personal bias. <laughs> um, at, and uh, finally, at 31 on the ladder this week, is Kyogre, Eveltal, Togedemaru, Gengar, Incineroar, and Celesteela. That's um, kind of neat. Yeah, it's, again, like, not anything, like, not a super surprising combination, but Kyogre, Eveltal, kind of underexplored, and I think that's, like, uh, at least a unique six that I've seen. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate it. I think Celesteela, like, much prefers to have Rayquaza there is the only thing. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's a good point. I I don't think yeah. we'd seen Kyogre, Eveltal much since, like, Daytona, right? I know it's what one um, Daytona, but... Well, at top eight worlds... Uh, oh yeah, you're like right. The, like Coco Metagross and yeah. Amoongus stuff, which is pretty cool, and that showed yeah. up. But I think the Groudon version of that is better. I think that was like pretty well established at the right. All right, so that's it for the ladder this week. Um, again, like <laughs> kind of all over the place. Nothing really to kind of pin down. Mm -hmm. I keep like thinking that at some point it'll come back and we'll feel like super sleuths again after like we, <laughs> raid, we found out raid lunala and told right. everybody <laughs> uh but t this week is not that week <laughs> there's not anything oh, well. super <laughs> crazy here but we're gonna jump into our results here we'll first run through i think we have three or two regionals and a special event to talk yeah. about um uh obviously cologne was the big one um Attendance-wise, uh, and obviously it was a super strong cut. I think it's the first time in a while that we've actually had like a top 16 regional cut, so we'll definitely talk about that. Yeah, I don't remember and one then, since Dallas 2018. I think it's, been, it's probably it's, been that it's long. Sad. And there was angst about it on Twitter this week, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like, damn Americans not going to their regionals. <laughs> like, what do you want from me? I know. <laughs> 
Um, and then we'll go through, uh, like we said, all reported mid-seasons um, that do have uh, a top eight listed. And again, <clears throat> thank you to uh, Zach Carlson or VGC Stats, who does kind of like tweet out all the links that people tweet at him uh, for these local events. Um, but we are, uh, for the sake of, you know, not brevity necessarily, but for the sake of relevance, I guess, uh, going to uh, stay away from some of the PCs this week just because of how many MSSs uh, we do have to go through. And also brevity, I would say. <laughs> and and brevity. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we'll first jump into the Cologne results here. Yeah. Um, it was won by uh, Red Silver, who was kind of running that uh, the, the standard Xerneas Groudon team that we mentioned a couple times. Mm -hmm. And those Xerneas Groudons continue to just kind of like the standard teams are, are basically established at this point it doesn't seem like we're seeing any development of the archetype at all at this point yeah i mean we had two standard teams in finals with you know the chodinjo zerndon feeny stuff and then alex gomez with spain rain so you know clearly two teams that have been seeing a lot of play that have been probably you know, very close to optimized if not fully optimized by now so not super mm -hmm. surprising to see them you know in the top two spots at a regional i would say right and then at third in the regional was joppy who was running i believe that's the agati team um, I just any team that has Ditto on it, I kind of just say is the Agati team at this point. But I know that Agati I think had, it had Excel, a Kang, Kang, Ditto, so it's, it's at least it's similar like in that, that yeah. regard. Yeah, Kang, Ditto, um, Excel is definitely Agati though. That's a good, made popular by Agati right. at, at the very least. And then at fourth is you know the same kind of five. I think we can kind of safely say that this is like the core five for Zerndon at this point, mm -hmm. uh, outside of the Kang Torn variant. But Zerndon. Uh, Salman's Feeney and Cineroar is kind of like locked in. Right. And then uh, this player has Bronzong as as the six, with his, which is basically, I, I think that's a good adaptation, right? Because it gives mm -hmm. you the opportunity to just like go, maybe it's Sword Stance Groudon, and you can just like go into that trick room mode. Yeah. Um, Gravity Blades is gra something that was like really, really popular in 16 and kind of died, which. Like I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily even a good reason. I was for about that, to say to that. There, I don't think yeah. there is either. Like maybe Lunala being so good against the two gravity users, but like not every team has Lunala. It's not a super common one. So I, I mm -hmm. think it's like this kind of team still definitely has a place. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you have such a strong like core five, you can definitely go a lot of directions with that mm -hmm. uh, fourth Pokemon, and you know having top four. You know, maybe it was a good meta call too. Yeah. There's a ho -Oh in top eight, so that is a <laughs> good place for gravity blades. Um, but the fifth place team, uh, kind of a wild version of Ray Ogre. We keep talking about how like, oh, we've seen all the Ray Ogre before. Yeah, this, this, this guy, this guy has, and was uh, like, no, you haven't. <laughs> okay, Jacob Brendan, here's my Naganadel <laughs> and my Bisharp. Yeah. <laughs> Even Landorus um, so, hasn't been too yeah. common on Ray Ogre either. Yeah, Ferrothorn we've seen though. Yeah. Um, I think this team at six is one that's like like the pace is out there. Is that the Weatherball Ho team? Oh my god, is it? Yeah, <laughs> that's I think it hilarious. Might be. Yeah, but the team is uh, Kyogre. Um, Hello? Ho Ho. I just, <laughs> just said it. Gengar, Coco, Incineroar, and Persian. I yeah. know that there is a Weatherball Ho team out there that's that was funny. popular by like, I, don't, I think it was a Korean player. Huh. Um, and I don't know if that's exactly it, but it's like a thing. Okay. Because That's reasons. Fun. <laughs> um, Seventh is then, uh, Eric Rios, also running Spain Rain, so no surprise then, there. Yeah, I was going to say Eric Rios and Pato running yeah. their teams, their, their quote-unquote teams. It's interesting that Pato went back to that because he's been straying from that, you know, since the Berlin Internets, but 
You know, went back to tweeted out, X Ray never die. <laughs> I believe <laughs> that. Like that. Yeah. So we can run kind of quickly through the rest of cut here. We have uh, Arasha in ninth place running. I think that might be the same six as one of the Zern uh, Dawn Wings team we just talked about on the ladder. Uh, it looks similar. You know, yeah. I think I think it actually is. I think you're yeah. right. So there you go. That answers that question. <laughs> And then another XL in 10th place. Not the Ditto version, though. It's Kang Ensign, Kart Smeargle. And I think Smeargle with XL is super smart. You know, unlike the Lucario Lele version of Crackhead XL that we all know and love, the Smeargle is a huge uh, component of that team. Right. Um, at 11th here is basically the same Zern Don 5 that we mentioned, but Kart in the last slot, which mm -hmm. had some popularity. A lot. I don't know about um I don't, I don't know what the results were but it definitely was like in the field at an AIC yeah and definitely in post worlds um at 12th place is uh basically the Tommy 6 but with what is it Insin over Smeargle? I don't think Tommy's team yes. has an Insin, right? That's correct. Don't tell Tommy, but I think I like that six better. <laughs> no, the Smeargle's really good. <laughs> I, I just don't like Smeargle. It's, um, yeah, I mean, I don't like it either. I mean, like, but... <laughs> I understand it. Tommy totally lost me when he called Smeargle the defensive backbone of his team. Like, I know, I, I <laughs> that understand that. I agree. I played that team a bunch, and I really, like, fully agreed with that point. <laughs> uh, well, you've got more experience with them. Smeargle defensive backbone doesn't make any sense. Um, at, at 13th is that Zern Don 5 again, but with a Moongus yep. in the last slot, which is kind of like the original iteration of the team. Mm -hmm. uh, at 14th is XL, Salamence, Feeny, uh, Incineroar, and Amoongus. So, so like Zern Don, but with Lunala. <laughs> but with Lunala over yeah. Don, right? Uh, at 15th, uh, XL, Kang, Coco, Insin, and Amoongus, which, you know, I haven't seen before, but I'm not shocked to see. But we will mm -hmm. highlight this last team at yeah. 16th, which <laughs> is uh, Groudon, Mewtwo, uh, Manetric, Lele, Whimsicott, and Jinx. I have so many questions. I have a lot, too, but <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't okay. But, uh, <laughs> like, sure. I don't you get can, it. You win this time, low <laughs> ladder. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's Cologne, which again, uh, really big tournament. Mm -hmm. Was awesome to see the turnout. There was a streamed regional with commentary, which is apparently like not the norm I know. anymore. All of a sudden, <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, so it was great to see uh, that kind of you know turnout and success for an event. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully, as we switch over to Sword and Shield, Sword and Shield Short soon, and shield. we'll start to see people start to come out and and get big streams again. Mm -hmm. uh, but for now, as we <laughs> send Ultra Series off into the and for its furnace funeral, <laughs> yeah, um, not so common. Yeah. Uh, and for example. Uh, Atlantic City, which was yeah. quite the opposite of that, which I believe had just over 100 entrants and no stream. Um, In fact, it was aggressively will... not allowed to be streamed. <laughs> it was aggressively, it was <laughs> aggressively unstreamed. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love union um, laws, don't you? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, they do, like have some of those laws in in new jersey almost specifically to police things that happen in atlantic city because it's just That's, like one of yeah. those places <laughs> um but anyway the results of this tournament uh the event was run by won by paul chua who was just running kang torn and cinnamongus um it, it's just that like that kind of team is just like a super paul team right right like you said he up uses like the most standard like, stuff for the most yeah, part, he was a big chalk guy so in well. 2018. He just yeah. plays like so well, and then there's you know, no you reason for a little him bit of a little bit of Paul Chua luck, and uh, <laughs> off you go. 
the runner-up team was Colin Heyer, who was running uh, Groudon, Lunala, Salamence, Incineroar, Tapufini, and Nihiligo, which That's was just new, the... is new at the time, but it's like very similar to you know a lot of the things that are being run with a Nihiligo Tekton. Yeah, it's the same six as the like world's winning team, but with the Nihiligo. Right. Replaced. And it makes sense there. I like yeah. Nihiligo a lot. So I love Nihiligo. I mean, you totally understand it. Um, the third place team, uh, this is a team that is be basically being run exclusively by Cedric Darushi. <laughs> um, it's like his team, his thing is the, the Groudon, Evil Tall, Gengar, Coco, Stakataka, and Hitmontop. Um, a little bit different than a lot of the other Groudon, Evil Tall that's out there. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I don't think I've ever seen it before other than from Cedric. And it, like, I kind of see mm -hmm. what's happening. Like, again, this is another case of, like, if the Hitmontop isn't wide guard, why is that not Incineroar? But you just get run over by Groudon. Yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. I think it makes sense. It's a neat team. Mm -hmm. uh, at fourth place is uh, the standard Zern Don with Cart as the sixth. Um, at fifth place is a team that's a little different than what we've seen in the sense that it has a Mawile on it next to a stack attacker, which is kind of curious. But it is Groudon, Dawnwings, Necrozma, uh, Mawile, Tapu Lele, stack attacker, and Smeargle. It's like the Tommy um, Six with Mawile over Salamence, which is a somewhat strange substitution, if you ask me. Mawile and Salamence are basically the same Pokemon, Jake. It's <laughs> <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if that's just like standard Ultra Necrozma or if it has Trick Room, too. Uh, like I think I it's Ultra. Um, because I talked to Andrew, he's like a new player. Mm -hmm. um, I talked to him a little bit um, after he played Jeremy Odena. Yeah. Uh, and I believe he was saying it was Ultra. Okay. I don't know if, you, like, can you fit Trick Room on that? Yeah, I, I mean, you just wouldn't run Earth Power. Or, sorry, you wouldn't run Moon Guys. Right. And then you would probably just be better off running NDM, although I guess that would give you a third steel type in this scenario. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a unique six because right. in the sense that it has them all while, but he played it well. Um,. At uh, sixth place was Jeremy O'Dena, who's running the team. He put out like a giant paste of his team yeah. that detailed like all of the thought processes, processes, and all of his tournament runs. Um, so that's a team that he, uh, he is basically well known for using at this point. That is Ray Ogre, uh, Incineroar, Tapufini, Stakataka, and Togedemaru. I do think we need to take a quick second to shame Jeremy and anyone else who would ever use Pokemon Shuffle sprites in yeah. a team report. <laughs> We love you, Jeremy. I and just we like, like this I team. called him out for that, and he but defended it. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's just a. It wasn't a big even like no that was. Me. That's just what was available. No, no, no <laughs> shuffle sprites. No, <laughs> no, no, no. That's the only negative thing I have to say, though. Otherwise, cool team, yep. good guy, yep. good cool, player, good report too. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, at seventh was X-ray, uh, Landorus, Tapufini, Incineroar and Amoongus, so standard, yeah. you know, five, but with Landorus as the last one, which, you know, we've seen a million times before. I think that was the first iteration of the team before it had an Iligo on it. Um, that sounds about right. And then the eighth place team was Radon, which had some presence at Atlantic City, which was kind of weird. Um, I think it was maybe just because it was uh, like a small event, but I think it also won the MSS the next day. Mm. Uh, but Rayquaza, Groudon, uh, Incineroar, Tapufini, Tapu Koko, and Stakataka. Um, I am not a huge Radon fan personally, but I yeah. understand why people like it, I guess. Um, I don't. Like Radon Fini is a pretty <laughs> strong three. I don't know. Yeah, I, I tried I mean, it a little bit, and just it didn't really click with me. But it's, I, not I, a, it's not a pair I've never... Or sorry, it's not a pair I've ever really understood. Mm -hmm. Like, they both kind of struggle with mens. They both... They have all the stats. Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the good part. Like, 
you throw a bunch of base stats together and it's hard to go wrong. But mm-hmm. they do kind of like, as far as Ray Ogre, Ray can facilitate Ogre doing damage, but Ray can only hinder Groudon from doing damage. Mm-hmm. So that kind of flips yeah, a, like sense. a red flag in my head. But yeah, I don't know. People and use it. It does some things. Thought in those exact terms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does some things. Yep, <laughs> it it does damage like On when occasion. you position it. Yeah. Obviously, Salamence is a flaw, but Salamence, you should just, like, kind of dropping off. Mm-hmm. It's only really on Xerneas Groudon at this point, so yeah. I guess in that sense, it's, like, okay. Uh, but anyway, that's Atlantic City, and then the last big event that we have here is um, the special event uh, in Ladam that took place in Brazil, mm-hmm. I believe. Yes, Brazil. Um, so the event was r- run by Javier Valdez, who is just, like, like a secret genius team builder it's just like the teams only work when he plays them right. so really he's like set up a perfect storm for himself he could put out his paste and you'd see it on ladder and nobody <laughs> would make it over 1200 no <laughs> um but his team was uh rayquaza lunala uh metagross tapu fini uh that is a togenmaru and mandibuzz so this is actually like relatively standard looking <laughs> for a team yeah. that he'd run this is not uh, the wildest thing he's used i said relatively <laughs> relatively standard looking and honestly it's not like my least favorite rayquaza lunala team either <laughs> um the runner-up uh was uh john paul lopez who of course had the top four in aic finish mm-hmm. and he was running actually a very similar team except that he had a gengar in the last slot here um, which I don't believe he had again. What was his last one at the at NAIC? Oh, uh, I don't was remember. It's Car- oh, it's Cartana. It was oh, Cartana. yeah, yeah. Um, but he's got a Gengar there now, which looks like it's it's a regular non-Mega Gengar. Yeah, I think it would According probably. According to the sprites, um, I mean, I know like regular Gengars had some fringe usage recently, so I I would yeah, like it. Z Bond, yeah, Z Poison. Even I guess you could use. Um, Agati at number three at this tournament with Xerneas Groudon. Kangaskhan, Tornadus, uh, and Incineroar, and then one guess as to what the last Pokemon is. <laughs> it's a Gotti, so probably Ditto, yeah. <laughs> Not even the XL anymore, he just switched his Zern down, but the Ditto still yeah. found its way onto the team. Right, but the fourth place team is literally just his team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been XL, funny if, if he played that Kang, team. Coco, Incin, and Ditto. That, that team is actually yeah. in eighth place, too. I, I guess th- there's th- they must be people he knows, you know. I'm sure, the, yeah. The, the Church of Agati is spread <laughs> very strong in in Brazil. Yeah. Um, the fifth place team was another uh, Rayquaza Lunala team with Tapu Fini and Cineroar, Togedemaru, and uh, uh, Crobat. Yep. A second Mandibuzz in cut on a dual Primals team at number six there, uh, that did have Kyogre, Groudon, uh, Gengar, Tapu Koko, uh, Incineroar, and again Mandibuzz. So that's you know, kind of interesting. Um, and then the seventh place team is just Adu's Worlds team that does have uh, Groudon, Xerneas, um, Aerodactyl, the Mega Aerodactyl, Tapufini, uh, that is Incineroar, and uh, Kartana. Jeez, I had a hard time getting those <laughs> last couple of Pokemon. You did it there. there. You did yeah, it. Yeah, we got it eventually, but. Um, so, yeah, that's the cut of uh, this Ladam special event, which is, you know, not awful looking given what some Ladam results have have looked like in the past there are two mandibuzz which is a little surprising but other than that like uh not anything super super out of left field yeah no not not a whole lot of you know crazy stuff other than javier but we've come to expect that by now so not really it's just not even crazy when yeah i know exactly it's It's, expected it's just just, it's just (laughs) his thing all right so Uh, we have some mss's to hit on there's a bunch of them so we're going to kind of speed through them uh Mm -hmm. but there's some pretty cool stuff that's popped up. Uh, the first one coming out of Portugal uh, in Lisbon. It was back on the 21st of September. 
and I've realized now that this is not a top eight cut. I have included one by accident. So we're going to move on <laughs> to uh, to uh, Granada, Spain <laughs> instead. You had one <laughs> I job. <did>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I let's make up for it because... It's the top 16. Yeah. <laughs> wow, 65-person midseason. Wow. I don't know the last time I've seen a top 16 midseason showdown. I mean, I don't. it's not actually like a top 16 cut. They just collected top 16 teams, I think, but... Oh, right. Top 16 that, yeah, CP. The kicker for top 16 is like 200 something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top 16 CP, though. They did yep. hit that. Okay, yep. you're right. <laughs> Sorry, I was confused for a sec. Uh, Sekiem won this one, though. He was running Rayogre, Incineroar, Serena, Nihiligo, and Ferrothorn. I feel like Ferrothorn is like a very Sekiem Pokemon. Yeah, for whatever reason, he. Like he he like likes to slow play stuff. Like I I associate Sekiem with Gastrodon as well. That's true. Yeah, that's also a second one. You paused like you were about to like lay into me for no. I had to like process like, that for a second. Brendan, <laughs> no, you're definitely right. Idiot. <laughs> Gastrodon is not a Sekium. Pokemon. <laughs> uh, the second place team is Zernia Suenala that has double Mega with Lucario Salamence and then Tapu Koko Incineroar. So that. <laughs> Um, I don't know if that team is like getting done everything that it needs to get done with all of its slots, I... but it plays well. So yeah, <laughs> um, so if you throw enough there's... offense at something, you know, I maybe guess win. yeah. Um, uh, oh, your boy there at number I know. three, Jake. One Carlos. I d haven't heard him. from him in a while. Yeah, he's um, been playing again. I think. No, I think yeah, that obviously. looks uh, <laughs> basically worlds uh, wolf's naic team, but with a. a took it tomorrow over a coco yeah um so that's you know probably one of the best rayogre variants that are out there we've got a uh james beck team at number four mm -hmm. no um, we've got rayogre. a landorus on a rayogre at number five so that's a little different um at number six oh, we've wow. got eveltal dialga metagross coco insin landorus that is a team um <laughs> i i that's a lot to unpack. I can't even talk about that right now. <laughs> uh, at number at number seven, we've got uh, the Coco Shedinja version of uh, Groudon Xerneas, which I think we've been calling the Ken version on this show. Yeah. And then in eighth place, we have Kyogre Dialga, which is a little bit more popular in 16 than it is now. Right. But here we are. Uh, and then Gengar, Tapu Lele, um, Incineroar, and Bronzong. I don't hate that. That's cool. Dialga, I, I mean, super... we all know I'm... Uh... One of the few Dialga defenders, so that's that's one of those teams that can get ground on really hard if you're not careful. Yeah, definitely. Um, we'll move on to our next midseason, which, which was in Palma. Also a top four. I uh, I did Jake some uh, <laughs> poor organization here. The one after that's fine though. <laughs> Let's go to that. Good Barcelona. <laughs> um, so yes, this one was a top eight game yeah. firm. Uh, first glance shows a Feramosa, so let's see. Uh, <laughs> the, the the winning team um, was X-Ray with Feeny, Insin, Kartana, and Amoongus, so nothing to write home about there. Uh, the second place team, uh, Eveltal Kyogre with Gengar, Raichu, Feramosa, and Stack Attack. I actually played against the Feramosa at Atlantic City. It was annoying because it's faster than modest scarf lele oh yeah it is <laughs> so so usually like i just throw scarf lele at things that are fast and fermosa is too fast to have scarf lele thrown at it um so that was frustrating but it's kind of like an interesting pokemon i think it could potentially be seeing higher usage than it does in ultra but it's very yeah. played i feel like if you made the right to a token tomorrow this team actually wouldn't be too far from standard either right yeah, i guess Raichu yeah. being faster than togemaru and like having the faster fake out and encore Probably the reason he picked it over Toge itself. I mean, it ha it has a niche. Yeah, yeah. definitely. 
Um, standard Kang Torn at number three. Uh, at number four is X-Ray with Feeny, Lele, Incineroar, and Amoongus. So kind of the double fairy there being the wrinkle. But I like Lele a lot, so I'll allow it. Um, at number five is Kyogre Lunala, which you don't see a lot of because of, you guessed it, the Eveltal matchup. <laughs> and then the Mega the mega is Metagross, so like not doing yourself any favors there. Yeah. So I guess it's it's got to be Thunder Punch. Probably th- maybe Thunder Kyogre even. Oh, I can um, see that. And then... Coco is on the team yeah. just because like you you need to tech for it that badly. That's one of those situations I think where you think about Colbert Lunala too. True. Um, X-ray at number six with Landorus, the Landorus variant with Feeny Coke or Feeny Ensign uh, Amoongus. Number seven, there's Groudon Lunala with uh, Salamence, Feeny Incineroar, and Snack Attacka. Yep. Um, and then eight is just the Baz Gravity Hypnosis oh, team that God, he won. I hate that team. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to somebody before Atlantic City, and I was like, that team ruined the format for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just absolutely hate it. <laughs> I, I feel like it's not, I don't know, it's not being used enough to like completely ruin a format for me it's at least. It's just like, it, it like ruined like two or three nights worth of ladder <laughs> for me, just because like I kept finding out new things about it. I was uh-huh. like, nice, I'm in a good position. Oh, good, the Lele is, is uh, what's the, the thing called? Adrenaline orb. Oh god! Okay, like, is it really? You. Yeah, because they need. I think the scarf is on Tokidomaru, so you oh. need two scarves. One. So, w- oh. what do you do if you need two scarves? <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Baz does like adrenaline orb. He used it on like Jinx, yep. I think. I don't like it personally, but yeah. it's whatever. <laughs> All right, next event is the uh, so Ciudad Real in Spain. Yes. The winning team yep. was the Hirofumi team from Worlds, so the Groudon Duskmane. Men's Lele Stack and Umbreon. The eighth place team was also here. That's correct. Team. The seventh place team has a scissor. <laughs> it does. <laughs> it's um, like the and a Serena. That's a, yeah. that's a departure from the Rayogre that we are used to seeing. Right so there, you go. Sixth place kind of reminds me of like the 2016 uh, X-ray Dumpster Exodia, solely because In of the, the Gyarados. It has a Gyarados. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gyarados does harken back to 2016 right. Dumpster Exodia. I guess we're working up on this one. The the fifth place sure. team is uh, Zernogre. Not a variant we've seen, though, before. It's Gengar, Coco, and Sintorn, which is kind of cool. I'm fine with that. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty I'm neat. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Top sure. four had uh, a Groudon, Lunala, Feeny, and Sin, Persian, Ferrothorn, uh, which I think we can both agree Evil Tom <laughs> just, like, always feel like... No, oh, no, Jake, obviously this... These two dark type cats are the evil <laughs> matchup. There we go. I, I was just about to say how they. I feel like they take up the same spot on the team, but it's like a thing that's like all over the places in Sin, um, uh, cat yeah. version. Uh, I mean, like parting like, shot into intimidate and, is really good. So yeah, I understand. Yeah, it is, and then you can U turn back into Persian. Right. Like I get it, but uh, it's not like a team dynamic that I would run. I yeah. guess is, is how I would say that. Um, the third place team is Kyogre Lunala with uh, Lucario, Lele, uh, Incineroar, and Togedemaru. Lucario, like, I was just, I was going to go uh, Incin- or, uh, uh, Eveltal matchup again, but Lucario does, like, 70% yeah. with Close It actually combat. is head It does so much damage. Yeah. It'll get yeah. dropped by uh, Oblivion Wing after, probably, but... <laughs> and if you're justified Lucario, you can switch in and get into Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. I don't know if you could give up Inner Focus... But you probably could. You could theoretically yeah. if you want to do that. I mean, and then the second place team uh, was XL, uh, Lopunny, Insin, Amoogus, and Ditto. So, you know, not anything that we're shocked to see on yeah. XL there. 
Right, moving on uh, to our American midseason for the week. We had one in Chicago. There's some pretty neat teams in this one. Uh, the winning team was uh, Ray Lunella uh, with Feeney Ensign, Amungus, and uh, Stack Attacka. Uh, so not really a whole lot to write home about there. But second place team. Uh, that's Soak. It's got to be Soak, right? Oh, absolutely, that. yeah. That's definitely okay. Soak. But it's Groudon, Zygarde, Feeney, Incineroar, uh, Shodinja, and Lantern, <laughs> which is pretty new. That, Like you said, that has to be Soak on Lantern yeah. because I don't really see another reason to use it. <laughs> you know what the fun, the most fun uh, game to play against Lantern is? Is which Absorb is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever I'm playing yeah. Grand Bats, I'm like, okay, I'm going to Thunderbolt it. Uh-huh. <laughs> nope. Um. Yeah, the third place team is XL Lucario, Incineroar, Landorus, Shedinja, which is a unique yeah. six, I think. I mean, sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Top four is uh, uh, yep. King, Zerndon, Coco, Incin, Whimsicott. So I think, I don't know if I've seen that either. Maybe like similar things, but kind of another take on like King, Zerndon. The Whimsicott kind of replacing the Torn as. Uh, uh, like prankster tailwind user yeah and i'm fine with that yeah makes sense yep um and then as we go into top eight there's a uh zerndon coco shedinja sure there's a pato team okay <laughs> uh, paco taco has xerneas groudon salamence feeny uh persian and togekiss which is maybe the first like unique and like yeah not i don't detested uh, Xerneas Groudon version that I've seen in quite a while, so I'll have to remember to say thank you to him for that. <laughs> and then the eighth place team is uh, standard Kangtorn, yep, yep. Xerneas Groudon, Ensign. <laughs> Moving over to Europe, we have an Italian mid-season showdown uh, that happened last weekend. The winner running a Kyogre, Nidquasma, Duskmane, Salamence, uh, Incineroar, Feeny, Amongus. That's pretty neat. I would imagine yeah. that's probably a trick room on the... I actually game. like that. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with that. That's, that's fun. cool. Uh, second place running that same you know, Xerneas Dawn Wings team that we mentioned Arash was running uh, in Cologne. Mm-hmm. That's that's Duck Pond, actually, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah, yep. Duck Pond. We love him. I think he ran that in his uh, pineapple match this week, too. I love that like everyone's week. calling it pineapple. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Top four is a Gardevoir. I find that fun. I love Gardevoir. Gardevoir and Lele for double the fairy psychic <laughs> action. I mean, I don't understand it. I think Gard's, you know, pretty bad in this format, but hey. <laughs> it's it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It got top four. We like that. It's Groudon, yep. uh, Donwings, Guard, Lele, Stack, Whimsicott. Mm-hmm. Followed by Azernogre with Lucario, uh, Incineroar, Amoongus, Tornadus, so it's kind of like the James Beck team, but with Lucario over Cartana. Uh, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Uh, following that, you know, standard uh, Zerndon Mince with the the main core with the Amoongus as uh, the sixth Pokemon run by someone with the last name Carbonara, which is making me very hungry uh, because mm. I haven't eaten dinner yet, and it's 8.15, and I should Sounds like a personal problem. It, oh, it is, for sure. <laughs> okay, good. I, I, I just, I just to had to sure rant for a second. Imp- implicated in this <laughs> <laughs> um yep and then do you want to finish the top eight yeah sure uh next in the top finish eight the is top eight. Uh, ray lunala and sin coco finia mungus i think we've seen that at least once earlier in this podcast uh, it looks similar yeah. yeah and then number seven a zerndon king torn with uh and coco as the last two 
Then eight is, you know, kind of a standard Zerndon with the Zerndon, Mence, Incineroar. Uh, Coco over Feeny. And then Jumpluff is the grass type in this case. Uh, I, like, I don't hate it. I don't It's kind either. of like if you wanted to combine Tornadus and Amoongus. Like, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense, right? In a sense. Yeah. No, I'm, it does, yeah. like, it has elements of those two Pokemon. It has some cool stuff, too. Like, Encore, Sleep Powder, Rage Powder, Helping Hand. Yeah, it gets, like, a million moves. Yeah. Uh, Swords Dance, Seed Bomb. Acrobatics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so we're going to go. We've got two more mid-seasons to cover here right through uh, before we hop into the latter half of our show here. Um, this one's from Sevilla uh, with Xerneas, Lunala, uh, Salamence, Tapu Koko, uh, Incineroar, and then regular Lucario it is appears indicated as here yeah. in the last one. <laughs> so sure, by all means. Um, I mean, like, we know what that does. It's just follow me, and then you get a fighting-type move. Which, yeah. You know, it's it's a niche. Um, the Hero Fumi team at number two. At number three is uh, Groudon, Rayquaza, Tapu Fini, Incineroar, Celesteela, and Zapdos. So that seems like a team that was built on the premise of holy moly, Delta Stream is the <laughs> best ability. <laughs> Zapdos had some like super I am not weak in, to rock. Like I am not weak to electric. Yeah, yeah. it did. Um, but I haven't I really seen it yet. It's, this it's, year. A, it's another one of those Pokemon to me that's like Gothitelle where. You know, all's 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 fun in games until you switch into an ice beam from Kyogre <laughs> and take a million damage right. from it. It's just like attacks that you shouldn't you wouldn't have expected Zapdos to be taking so much damage from it just doesn't have the stats to like stand up to. Um finishing out top four is Ray, Ogre, Coco, Insin, Ferrothorn, and Crobat. And then uh in top eight we have um X Ray with a Shedinja in that slot uh, that would normally be the Nihiligo on Pato's team, mm-hmm. so that's interesting. Um, we have uh, Xerneas... Uh, that's not Xerneas. We have at number Close. six, Groudon, uh, Dawnwings, Necrozma, Salamence, Tapulele, uh, Pheromosa, and um, Ferrothorn. Mm-hmm. So Pharaoh and Pharaoh. I think Pharaoh... Pheromosa like kind of works there because it really exemplifies the crackhead nature of Ultra Necrozma. Uh-huh. They, like really just slapped that in there too. Um, at seven, Ray Ogre, Gengar, Incineroar, Ferrothorn, and another Zapdos. Okay, and then the last team is uh, number eight. That is Duskmane, Rayquaza, Tapu Lele, Incineroar, Kartana, and Nihiligo. Which I actually kind of like that. Yeah, that's kind of neat. That brings that's us to our that. final mid-season of the week. Another one out of Spain. The winning team was Rayogre, Coco, Insin, Lando, Stack. Kind of fun. I think that's another unique six, but you know, again, the same kind of standard mons. Lando is kind of making an appearance on Rayogre recently, which is neat. Uh, followed by that in second is Groudon, Evoltal, with Coco, Insin, Gengar, Stack, Attacka. Uh, Seen that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, after that, Zerndon with the Parish mode. This is just kind of the Parish standard. Standard Parish Zerndon with uh, Gengar, Fini, Insin, Landorus. And then we've got Rayogre with Gengar, Insin, Togedemaru, and Celesteela. So like you said, that's just kind of the Wolf NAIC team with the Togo mm-hmm. Rococo. It sure is. After that's the Baz Gravity team again. You know, Gengar, Mewtwo. Uh, Groudon, Mewtwo, excuse me. Gengar, Lele, Tog, Whimsicott. There's a Murkrow in top eight. Uh, and a Rotom Wash, two Pokemon that have been revived from their long slumber of <laughs> apparently uh, but that's on long slumber. no <laughs> that's on a uh, radon salazzle cart rotom murkrow uh, sure i mean yeah. i like how you didn't point out salazzle as like a strange pokemon 
Jamie would be so proud. I know. <laughs> I did it for him. <laughs> uh, seventh place, Rayogre, Coco, Ensign, Nyaligo, Ferrothorn. Yeah, not much to say there. Then finally, mm-hmm. Zerndon, Mens, uh, Coco, Ensign, and Hitmontop. So we get the double. double the fake out. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. All right. So that's it for our local events um, uh, for this week. Uh, again, we're going to try. Uh, I'm saying this mostly to Jake and not to the audience <laughs> to do top eight mid seasons. Jake. Yeah. Audience get on this. <laughs> um, and then on some of the weeks where we don't have, you know, as many events, we can continue to try and tag PCs, but for the sake of brevity, uh, Jake's words, not mine. <laughs> Um, that's going to be it for our locals for this week. So we are going to wrap up for now the first half of the show. And again, we're going to jump into the second half where we will be joined by Stephen Mia, who goes by, of course, Graham Giss on the Internet and is fresh off a top eight uh, placement at the World Championships um, to talk about uh, the local scene, his local scene, building teams for local scenes, all sorts of local scenes sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay tuned. We will be back to you in just a couple seconds and back to ourselves in just a couple minutes. <laughs> Welcome back, our loyal listeners. Thank you for your patronage and sticking through those several seconds of musical interlude. Uh, Jake and I are back, but this time we are joined by Stephen Mia, um, who we have on for our second portion of the show as our guest this week to talk about um, the local scene. So, Jake, can you please go ahead and introduce our guest? I certainly can. Stephen has been a member of the Snowball team recently, having... You know, one trips to various different internationals around the world and worlds this year with a day two invite. Uh, partially in uh, part, partially in part, that's a phrase, uh, <laughs> mainly in part to winning uh, his first regional in Toronto this year, uh, a Moon Series regional. So that was his first regional championship, multiple top cuts, you know, before and after that as well. Uh, and then culminating in a big top eight worlds finish this year. So you know, a very accomplished player, especially in recent months. And um, we're very happy to have you, Steve. Stephen, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to the discussion. The topic seemed really interesting when you came to me about it. Of yeah, I mean, we wanted to pull you for that, too, because neither of us are super entrenched in a local scene. Brendan has some that he goes to sometimes, but I haven't played a local in uh, almost two years now. Actually, more than two years now, because I don't really have many near me. And then a Premier Challenge has even been longer than that. So you know, we wanted someone that has been you know, a mainstay in a local scene, and you were certainly one of those. Right, so we had kind of we were kind of discussing, and we were like, "Oh, you know, if we wanted to do this topic, we should probably pick somebody from either like New York, New Jersey, or Ohio." Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> if we picked Ohio, there are a lot of people that are mad at Ohio right now, and we <laughs> thought there was a potential that we might lose listeners if we even, you know, like alluded to it too much on the show. So we decided, you know, maybe we'd just go with New York, New Jersey, and um, ultimately. Uh, ooh, the reason we chose you, Stephen, is because you've been around for enough time that you can even talk to, like, the evolution of an entire scene. Obviously, New York, mm-hmm. New Jersey, like, back in the day, had all those super strong players where it was, like, one of the most strong, concentrated areas. And it still has kind of become that uh, even to this day, but just kind of, like, with a different subset of players. So it's, uh, in my opinion, a super interesting uh, region in that regard. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's like you said, like, if there's the two dichotomies of the local scene where... You have NYJ that's been it's been large very recently. It's got, numbers have gone down in the last couple of years. We'll get to that later, I guess. But mm-hmm. and then and then Ohio, which has always been known for having 
large amounts of locals and then mm-hmm. I mean they became more of a, a hub for local events in 20 in like gen 7 2017 2018 before that it was Utah if right. I remember that yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, oh, yeah I forgot about Utah. but um yeah yeah they they became they became even worse than Utah like with the amount of locals that they had which I mean it's not worse in Utah it's just the the number I guess in right. that regard like there was a period of time I think it was in 2018 that they had five active TOs that all I think four of them had access to mid seasons. <laughs> like it was That's ridiculous. In such a small area too. Like it's not a big state. <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah, the biggest like, state. Like everybody goes they... to all of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I w I, I don't knock their community. Like they had they definitely have enough people to justify right, yeah. two two maybe even like if and two good players too, yeah. and a PC too. And mm-hmm. they definitely I think especially over the over the last couple years with Ashton and Jeremy dominating the mm-hmm. international scene and them having a bunch of up, new and up and coming players like I, like what Wesley Long was like near the top of my list of Americans I thought could make it through day one worlds to day two this year and he absolutely killed it in day one so mm-hmm. I was super happy to see that and they're definitely a growing region it's just I, I think the issue is a lot of people don't feel that the amount of locals they have ac- accurately reflect their I guess qu- quality as a region mm-hmm. right in a, in a certain regard yeah, you, could, and you could argue that it's a little bit top heavy because yeah, obviously, I would argue Ohio's like, very top heavy. Yeah, like Ashton and Jeremy are two of the best players in the country and the world uh, mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. really debate. But then, like, after that, it starts to fall off a little bit. And you have people come in from other areas, too. So it's not like it's a bad region at all. I'm not trying to say yeah, that. Yeah, the other, yeah, it's We're like, especially if you look at the. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, mean, I don't have of... locals within two hours. <laughs> oh, it's definitely a lot of jealousy. Like, I mean, <laughs> even in 2017 18, when Snowball was first starting, you know, mm-hmm. people like. You have people like Nails from like Michigan, where they had absolutely no locals there back then. Right. You would drive to drive to Ohio because that was the closest access you yeah. had. and it worked. And it was, and despite the fact that he was like having to drive all the all the effort he actually had to give into driving these locals, it was still, it was still extremely beneficial for him because he would be able to go to four events on a given weekend and still mm-hmm. make it back in time. Right. Um, so yeah. So anyway, this is kind of like a, a segue into basically like the the state of locals is 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 not what you would want it to be. Um, <laughs> I think unless you live like directly in the center of Ohio, within you know driving distance mm-hmm. of all those things. Right. Um, but we've kind of taken like quite a tour to get to where we are with locals right now. And of yeah. course, um, agreed. New Jer- New York, New Jersey was like the biggest scene when locals launched. Like, um, be- like locals are I, you know in the grand scheme of things relatively new. Like PCs and mid seasons. Mid seasons obviously a little newer than PCs, but local mm-hmm. events like didn't even always exist. It used to be like a like an online scene that had regionals like a couple times a year, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. started with those premier challenges like right before Nats in 2014. Yeah, like 2014 that popped up, and they were like they were worth very little. I think they were just kind of a tester. And then starting in the 2015 season, they were just busted. <laughs> oh, they were broken. <laughs> oh, in 15 they were broken. Yeah. I will fully admit I had a world's invite in 2015 because I farmed like premier challenges in the southeast. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I got a bunch of points from those that you know some people just didn't have access to, and they kind of boosted my like mediocre at best regionals performances that right. year. And I don't know, like after 2015 they got nerfed a lot because. I think they went from like fifty to thirty points or something for a win. Yep. I low key think the twenty sixteen local spread was one of the fairest local spreads we've had. I, like, know, I honestly agree. Mid seasons like, were were much less valuable, and the, yeah. that's when mid seasons were created. But they, they were, were much... introduced, but they were worth like a hundred points. 
And they were but, much less common. <laughs> exactly. They were actual mid-season showdowns, which yeah. back when we had seasoned regionals, that made a lot of sense, I thought. Agreed, right. yeah. I think I think like, the one thing is that, like, with PCs being, like, you know, quote-unquote nerfed as you go into 2016, you also saw local scenes take a huge hit. Because in mm -hmm. 2015, everybody showed up to everything that was anywhere close because of, you know, the way that the world structure was, like, the world invite structure, because of how many True. points they gave out. And then they changed everything as, uh, you know, we went into 2016, and the, like, local numbers have been dwindling ever since then. Yeah, I do think it's relatively important to mention i think that the 2016 locals numbers were weren't weren't the worst i think one thing that inflated them a lot was the very low bar for mm. entry at world 2016 that a lot of people could get their entry off of local events and and, and like you could realistically go to one or two regionals and then just go to your local events for like four or five months at a time and probably have your 350 points mm. right for me it was really like the transition to I, I began to see a lot of common trends where, like, it was the same things that would happen every season where, like, in the middle of the season, things would taper off. The early season locals always had a lot of people. And then mid-season locals would taper off a little bit, and then near the end of the year, once, like, all the college kids' semesters ended and, like, mm -hmm. people were pushing for last-minute world invites, locals would get big again, and then we'd have nationals. Mm -hmm. and then it became a cycle, but it's the whole thing that the whole portion of the cycle that all the numbers from start to bottom to the end are all getting smaller now. Right. Yeah, I guess those trends probably still exist, but they're a little bit masked by the whole, like, Thanks, very low numbers in general type deal. Yeah, so. completely. Yeah. Like, our, our first, um, I remember our first, our first 2018, I think it was our first 2018 PC, or MSS, I forgot what, what it was, had mm -hmm. a good amount of people out, it was like 20, 25 people, and then our first Jersey Sun Series PC had like 12. Like, it was, right. I, I, that's a and lot more like, modern. I don't know. Going back to like 2015, I was playing PCs in like Pensacola and like Mobile, Alabama, like the Gulf Coast area. And there's like no scene there other than these locals. There's no regionals. Mm -hmm. There aren't many like players that you would recognize by name from those areas. But they were still getting like top eight at their premier challenges very consistently. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. they were hitting like 25, 30 people at these PCs. And like if you tried to run a PC in Pensacola today, you might get like six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Two fun stats, I think, that are good food for thought are, I remember it was March 2015, I was at a senior's PC that had 23 people, I believe, mm -hmm. which I guarantee you will be bigger than every NA, unless something major happens when Short and Sword and Shield drops. It'll be yeah. bigger than every Ultra Series Seniors Regional this year. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. I saw and a picture <laughs> from like a, a regional probably four or shocking. five years ago. That had like 60 juniors or something like that, and I was Yeah, floored. and <laughs> like... the second biggest stat was, I remember the big thing at Jen's first uh, Brooklyn, New York PC of the 2016 season. That's like the one with, uh, that had like the Aaron Zhang, John Hu, like Ray Palky finals. Oh, yeah. Everyone remembers that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Mm -hmm. The whole talk of the whole tournament, like, the it, it's this small card shop in, the, in like downtown, in like downtown Brooklyn near Coney Island on the coast, and mm -hmm. it's... It's this tiny place. There's two floors. Like the staircase is really, really narrow and tall. Like, I've been there. And people were packed. It was a madhouse. <laughs> and the whole thing going round was we were about to hit seven rounds, and everyone was going to lose their minds. Oh wow! Yeah. And now yeah, Knoxville Regionals is struggling was, to hit seven rounds. I think the <laughs> yeah. first the first event of twenty maybe it was twenty. I can't remember if it was twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen. But I was like casting mm -hmm. whatever it was. And uh, the first it, eighteen tournament had a lot of people. That's probably the one. Maybe it was eighteen. I 
Gurchak. It was Gurchak. I don't remember, uh, but anyway, it was one of like it was like the first event of the season um, that was cast, and it eclipsed 1K viewers on Twitch or something like that, which like oh. has blown every region yeah. a lot, like for this year out of the water. So yeah, yeah. interesting. So that yeah. was the probably the first Sun and Moon PC. I remember that. I feel like it was like more time ago than that. It was like several formats ago. It wasn't this year. I, I, I I'm not sure because I remember, I remember but... talking to Jen about one time that she got hosted at like a PC or an MSS. So it was some random like March PC, and she got raided by the like Liberty Garden got raided by some channel, and they like huh. blew their viewership averages out of the water. Oh, that's, that's cool. wild! Yeah, and like the people stuck around because it was a Pokemon related channel. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think it's interesting. I think with locals, there's a couple questions you got to ask yourself when you're fully analyzing like their the extent of both their impact and their reasoning. I think the biggest question is their reasoning. Like, what's your primary yeah. motivation with having the local structure? Right. Is it to help help disadvantaged areas get points? Is it to introduce new players to the scene? Is it to be, a, like, a starting point for already established online players? Like, you kind of... I think you kind of have to have a sense of direction with the locals. And with that, I think they've kind of lost their sense of touch with that. Like the introduction of mid season showdowns to me was a very clear, had a very clear intent to it. Yeah. It was to subsidize the, the, the spaced out regionals that we had. Well, they now marketed look... it. They marketed it. Exactly. Like, with their intent, exactly. Which is, like one of the first times that we've ever seen them do that. So that was, <laughs> yeah, right. it, it was really cool. And then you look at the, then you look at the locals payouts today and you have X2, like X2 Swiss, people missing cpu local like top eight people missing cpu locals yeah that's and you weird. and you also have if you haven't looked at the pc payouts for this year and last year which i'm very surprised they didn't change like the difference between first and second is so marginal that it, it's it, it's almost ridiculous how how i don't want to say how awfully but straight up how awfully the, <laughs> it's it's structured yeah, it's, like it's i i i think you raise a good point because i think at this point um, you know that the way that they've been balancing the circuit has very much just become a numbers game, right? Um, yeah, it's and... be- it's become like they're they're throwing like the, instead of like reworking the the structures that they have when it comes to the circuit, they're just adding things adding things on and adding things on without really thinking about. I guess the the consequences for the players or or their goals, and I think, like you said, which is like right. exactly like it, is, is like a super very good point. Yeah, is is like what exactly do you want these locals to be? Because when they were introduced, you know, way back, it I don't think that their impact on the structure and like the world invite structure was really considered at all. It was just kind of mm-hmm. like okay, mm-hmm. we want players to be attending local events as My sort first of like local. this lead up to to a regional and i think that's like an admirable goal that that's fine mm-hmm. but then when you start throwing all these money prizes into the circuit and like there are thousands of dollars at stake about who can attend the locals you mm-hmm. don't really like the integrity yeah <laughs> I, I don't want to say the integrity of the local but like you know it was like kind of they were introduced innocently at first and now that it's just kind of like like a like a like a money grab scheme at this yeah. point. Like <laughs> locals are definitely not not nearly as wholesome anymore, especially in areas where people have, especially in snowball populated areas. Like I, I can yeah. imagine, mm-hmm. I can imagine like Italian locals are blood are bloodbaths now. <laughs> they must be. And like, <laughs> and I think one yeah. thing that one thing that a lot of people haven't considered is something that Steven touched on a little bit earlier, but like specifically for midseason showdowns, they were created with the express purpose of happening in between these like 
massive clusters of regionals when we used to have like three in a weekend or three over two weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, and I think well, yeah, it makes for that sense. purpose, they made a lot of sense because they were like still a valuable tournament. They were worth a lot more than they are now at that point. I think Steven said 100. I don't remember exactly what the structure was for those. It was but... over 100, I think. Oh, wow. So yeah, they were worth a lot. ridiculous. And they were like... There was something you could like look forward to in between these larger tournaments, but now that like they're happening every weekend and their payouts are nerfed and like there's no real difference between a PC and an MSS as far as like logistics go. Like they're both locals mm -hmm. that happen every other weekend apparently. Like they've lost a lot of their value, I think, and I it their place in the circuit is there, but it's been kinda of skewed and like morphed into something that it wasn't to begin with. And I think right. that's part of the problem. And it's all just kind of like a series of reactionary number balances at this right. point. Just kind of what I was saying is like, what what like the, like what locals were originally introduced for is just like entirely gone at this point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, everything feels very reactionary. There's definitely a loss of identity. I feel with what locals are supposed to be. I, think I like that a lot. Loss of identity. I love that. Loss of identity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's exactly what it is, right? Yeah. And I think Stephen, like you know, we brought you on because you can speak to that better than anyone. Is that there used to, like the like the the type of event that used to happen in those little card shops like you mentioned yeah. where you would get like 30 to 40 people to show up and it was like it's a super cool atmosphere right as everybody's there playing and there are some people that are locals uh like or mm -hmm. that are they're you know casual players that are showing up for the first time people that are at you know various levels of their career where you have these guys um like you know back in the day where like you know jive time and and john evans and all those guys would show up <laughs> to events but then you would also yeah. have, you know, newer players like, you know, yourself when you were a senior back in the day or, you know, people like uh, this will mean more to you than to Jake. But Anthony Rossano, who shows up oh, with, I know like, who his, is. with his <laughs> yeah, stuff. He's cool. And it's just yeah. like there was, this, there was this, this really cool dynamic at, a, at, at these local events that have now been replaced with these like seven person cutthroat things where there are like thousand dollars, thousands of dollars on the line. <laughs> Yeah, I really think that the, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought, but the, I think that, like, every, a lot of the things that they've been doing with locals have felt very knee-jerk reactionary, like you said, like, giving out so many, like, by making it open season on locals. I think another thing that's been killing, like, the combination of 2019 being GS Cup and, like, a lot of the recent, like, down, the general downward trend of VGC combining mm -hmm. with GS Cup was just and and like the various subpar world structures is something I think absolutely. I don't want to say it was a killing blow to a lot of local scenes, but it was a killing blow to a lot of local scenes. Yeah. It's it's really sad to see. Yeah, it's no, kind of funny how this was. like lines up with GS Cup because 2016 was kind of the start of the downfall of PCs. I think a lot of times. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and not, I mean, not necessarily specifically PCs too, but that's when we started having entry fees for regionals, um, mm -hmm. and. Like, a lot of things happened in 2016 that I think a lot of people immediately attributed to, oh, it's the Legends, GS Cup is bad. But there were so many other, mm -hmm. like, circuit factors that played into it. And now, like, we're talking about here, locals have been taking a hit this year again. And, you know, maybe it is GS Cup. There's, like, one more data point that might support that. But I, I do agree that it's probably a combination of a lot of other things. And maybe GS yeah, Cup I, being bad. <laughs> yeah, I really hope it's the... It's more that, like, it's bad for, like... Because you'd go to a, a local... I mean, it's kind of similar to how it is today like if you show up to local and you look at look who's around you it's like okay these two or three people are most likely to win the event these four or five 
are probably making cut and like let's see if they can beat the top players here and like mm-hmm. there's a couple people here who like quite aren't on their way yet but like they'll, they'll get there soon and then you have your newer players it's like i almost feel like that whole newer player dynamics because faded away very quickly and like it's getting legendaries in game is very very hard uh-huh. and it's something that decimates local scenes especially and I mean, there's a lot of factors I think it could go... There's some different things that go into, I think, the reasons that regionals are going downhill, like, especially, like, the whole you have to travel for three days thing is, I think, a point that's very, very underlooked yeah. Yeah, that's and underappreciated, but that's a conversation for another day. We could do a whole other episode on that. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, um, exactly. So I'm going to spin off a little bit on you here, Stephen, because it's something that we, we uh, wanted to talk about. As you mentioned, like, when you show up, and you see, you know, generally like the same cast of characters that you expect to see at these events. With how like important it is for a lot of players to win these events now, do you find yourself or do you think that players are like adapting the team that they bring to these locals based on what players they're expecting to see? I don't disagree with that at all, and I think that gets especially worse when it comes to smaller local regions yeah. where mm-hmm. It was, I like, I for example, like, I had a doubleheader a couple, two weekends, it was three weekends ago, actually, right before AC, where I, I literally did that. I thought of, okay, who's going to be at this event? Like, what do I think they're going to be bringing? And this is what I'm going to bring as a reactionary response. Like, between the eight rounds I played, the five Swiss rounds, and the three rounds of cut, I played what I expected to play six, uh, six, of, the, six of the seven rounds, the F1, like, I got the round one by, I got really lucky. But I played exactly what I ended up playing, and I can't imagine how awful this is at small local events. Like, I mean, granted, like I guess we'll go back to Ohio as an example, where you have people like Ashton and Jeremy, but then you have other players who exist in the region that are good. Also, people like Cedric, people like Wesley, Justin, yeah. Nick. It's like they 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 know who each other are, and they play each other every event, and so they get very used to each other's teams, and it's definitely. And especially you combine that with the, I forgot who said cutthroat, but like the cutthroat mentality that a lot of these locals are becoming, it gets a lot harder in that way because it gets it gets a little worse and more cutthroat in that regard. Mm-hmm. So do you think that that that's like, I I, I guess the way that you you phrased that last sentence kind of invalidates my question, but do you think <laughs> do you think that like that is like at least a good like is that a good dynamic to have at that sort of local events like because that you know the the numbers are dwindling do you think that that sort of thing is at least like keeping the local scenes interesting because the level of competition isn't necessarily the same with like the smaller number of people that are at them i think that it makes locals extreme i think if you given the current setting that we have now i think it makes locals extremely interesting Mm-hmm. But def- I forgot, I think it was Jake that mentioned it before, that Snowball is really making the lo- making locals a lot more competitive. Because it's not like how it was co- how, a couple years back, or even even this season for anyone that's not participating in Snowball. It's, you have the whole year to get your local finishes in. Mm-hmm. So it's not really that big a deal if you miss out on points from one PC or one MSS. You can take it a lot more casually, and like especially prep for the regionals that are coming up that are way more important. But nowadays, with like the yeah, I gotta get my the last two years, it was like I gotta get my two local finishes in before this quarter is over. It's like, and I have three, so I can only mess up at one. So I really gotta try hard for this. And it's, I think locals are becoming much. much I mean, it just comes naturally with like the longer that I think any competitive atmosphere is around, like the more hyper competitive it's gonna get. Right. But, but I, I also, think it's been I think accelerated. That also, it's like secondhandly 
that's not a word. In a secondhand way, it kind of <laughs> damages like the social aspect of these tournaments too. I agree because you could look sure. at locals as ways of building that, yeah. like a community. And I think that's part of the original like vision for these tournaments was to like support local communities and help them grow. But if these locals mm -hmm. are turning into these like super important tournaments for multiple people at a time, they're going to be way less focused on like going and having a good time and meeting people and building relationships than they are like going and getting the job done and like making sure they're focused and in the zone and like honed in at all times. And that's like, not that it's a bad thing for them to have that mindset because they are important tournaments. And if you're a competitor, yeah. you have to, and you know, compete there's, there's money and on the line. give yourself the best chance of, of winning. But, but that gate keeps the people that don't want to approach yeah, those exactly. tournaments with that mm -hmm. mindset. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I think it's like I said before, it's the combination of the community naturally becoming more competitive over time and snowball. But I mean, not even just snowball. I think that because like you could argue that for a local scene, like I guess Texas, for example, that in 2018 and this year so far, it doesn't look like they have anyone that's going to be on the snowball yet. Their local numbers are still are still dwindling. Yeah, and I would argue that I mean I don't go to the locals, but I'd imagine like if I live in Texas, Texas, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to my local later this weekend. Like, what do, I'd like I'd like to win, but there's only going to be five or six people there. I know Lou's going, I know Ian's going, mm -hmm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna check out what they've been using recently and just go go in against that. Honestly, that that was a lot harder back in the day when you had 30, 40 people at. Like right, more you had to be PCs more and mid seasons. You can't counter yeah, team the entire meta. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it was low key like a regional. Like you couldn't find a way to counter team the entire meta game. Like, mm -hmm. Until you go to Texas Marathon and everyone's running men's teeter and you run goggles Greninja. <laughs> That's uh, Greninja is the, the ultimate <laughs> counter team mod. I feel yeah. like you we've just talked about that before. You just made if you sure want to counter team watch... somebody, Greninja. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just made sure you watch Road to Ranked the Monday before the regional. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> to, know, to know you were going to play the first two rounds. Exactly. Before 2015, uh, those Missouri, I practiced against uh, Aaron's Apex team so much because I figured like there had to be people running it, and I didn't play it a single time, and I was really mad. <laughs> <laughs> I think you counter team yeah. the road to rank team. I had yeah. sub Metagross I... against Venusaur. That's unlosable. <laughs> <laughs> I do That's think what... that a more intentional structure and schedule for locals would help scenes a lot. Like, if you looked at the. I mean, even if they didn't want to. My initial proposal would be you go back to seasoned regionals and, like, emphasize locals on, like, the sort of off periods that we used to have mm. from, like, December to January and, like, April, April through early May. But. I think even if you keep it like how it is today, like you could very, very both intentionally and directly schedule locals in a way that they become they become a lot fairer. Because I do think that like for like just for instance, like if there's a regional going on in in like in in one weekend, like if there's a regional going on in Fort Wayne and in NorCal, like we're gonna have later this year, mm -hmm. that leaves mm -hmm. a good amount of the country both out of position to be able to go to the regionals. So I do think that. If there was a way that they could schedule local, they could ensure local events are scheduled in places like Portland or in Florida that weekend. I do think that that would be an interesting way to go about it. Yeah, is that if you could get the entire country kind of playing at once, like how they used to? I thought that was a really cool dynamic. It kind of nerfs it nerfs the snowball a little bit too because it prevents people from being at like every single event that exists in the format. That, well, I don't, that's I don't think too, a I system think. like that can exist with the snowball because the the point yeah. of the snowball is to get people to go to every event. So I, I, as mm -hmm. long as a snowball exists, I don't it, think we well, ever right. go back yeah, to like, like the it does that, but it, it gets yeah. that would it gets tended be to twelve to people. It. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it accomplishes the goal of getting people to go to every event, but 
only 10 to 12 people right. in a given <laughs> yeah. in a given top eight region like it's yeah, right. i don't think you can at this point be afford to be splitting attendance between multiple events though so right I don't know. we'd have like, to go I back mean, i guess to our i guess numbers. uh tcg sustains it a little bit but i mean yeah, tcg snowballing tcg's uh snowball like <laughs> dedication is way more than ours like i'm i know a bunch of tcg players like american tcg players went to a couple mexican like events last year like it's mm-hmm. very very cut it's more cutthroat than ours is yeah and they've got more to, more to win because of the numbers i guess yeah exactly i mean the, like i mean these... just straight up the world's pot is bigger like the regional prize pools are bigger like right it's, it makes sense but it's like a little more sustainable mm-hmm. yeah but i think i hate to say just wait and like i do agree that come sword and shield like if local attendance numbers are going to see a temporary boost whether that means your seven man locals become 15 man locals or 40 man locals mm-hmm. only time will tell but yeah. like i feel like it also I, feels like a do or die kind of thing too like at this point, we've been, so do or die. We've been really trending does, downward yeah. so heavily for so long that if like the new generation is always a boost in numbers like for the right after x and y came out we had some of the biggest regionals in history and mm-hmm. we didn't really see that as much with gen 7 and if we don't really see it with gen 8 either that's probably not a great sign. yeah <laughs> i mean gen 7 we kind of saw it like both dallas and athens had over 300 people true yeah so it did happen which was I amazing to a lesser like, extent, and it lasted for a lot less time it lasted for two months pretty much yeah like and naic in 15 and 17 only hit 400 people like we hit 400 on the nose we barely hit the kicker for cp i remember that year mm-hmm. right and i remember this year people were talking about how like how it was how people were like are we gonna get top 120 and nats and it was like we didn't get it in 18 and like the combination of everything is the way we're gonna get it in 19 yeah. <laughs> and i do think another factor for why our like maybe this initial season's locals numbers are down is the whole thing about worlds being in europe although i do agree that a lot of casual local attendees don't go for the prospect of getting a world invite right mm. it's still slightly off-putting especially for west coast and midwest regions where flights to london aren't like four hundred dollars mm-hmm. oh yeah i i 100 agree yeah i think i, I think that's more of a regional issue though yeah we've we've gotten to yeah. this point that you know locals are just kind of like a small drop in the pond that is like the circuit structure problem and we could and have had an entire episode about it <laughs> mm-hmm. like yeah um so let me to, to, let, let's spin away from the doom and gloom a little bit here um uh, yeah so, I so, like that. so steven uh you are a player that has you know kind of come on in the last couple years um obviously is culminating with this last uh with your top eight worlds which is amazing do you feel like um being a part of your local scene like contributed to your development as a player i want well, i really do think it contributed my development as a player a lot because even if because going to locals gives you an opportunity to both talk to people who who appreciate which is why i think locals are a great thing it's like it gives you a chance to talk in real life with people who have the same interests as you Mm -hmm. and with something as small as UDC, it's really hard to find and i think being able to go somewhere play a game in real life with people and even and it's kind of cool it's like Especially like back in the day in NYJ where we had really big locals with stream setups. Like you could, you, if you got knocked out of the tournament, you could just watch games. Like you're waiting right. to yeah. waiting waiting for your train. You could watch the top eight match on the side. And especially back in the day where 
people were very very open i mean people a lot of a lot of players still are today like i try to be my locals too open about talking talking about their thoughts on the metagame like advice for playing things like mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. but i really do think at least for me personally the local scene really helped me develop as a player gave me a lot more i guess confidence in myself as i began to see myself doing slightly better and better every time yeah because like even though like in 2016 i actually had a really bad stretch it lasted for i think it was like five months that i didn't cut a local event it was really bad it was kind of sad oh, but wow. over time like it got it, it I, I watched myself get better with it over time yeah and it was it, it was cool to kind of see myself go from like the person walking and asking for advice to to someone who's like walking around the venue now and it's kind of like almost minding my own business, but if someone ever has a question for me, I'm more than happy to answer it, something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one of my like favorite, I don't, it probably is my single favorite experience with Pokemon so far was the Texas Marathon. And like that was entirely a local scene. It was like a week where we had, I think it was six PCs in eight days or something crazy like that. And That's like, really cool. The entire like Dallas Pokemon squad, we like took turns like staying at everyone's house for the whole week. It was super fun. It was over mm-hmm. winter breaks. So everyone was home, and I'd, like we, I, my family had just moved to Dallas like not too long before that. So that was pretty much the reason that I like became pretty good friends with all those people in Dallas, like mm-hmm. like Blake and Ben and Oliver and that whole squad. And so like, yeah, that personally like I love competing in general, no matter if it's like Pokemon or sports or whatever. So I like having the chance to play all those tournaments at once while also becoming closer with all these cool people. Uh, and just having it like a crazy good time that whole week was just super fun like that yeah i'm not sure that a pokemon experience will top that and like we're not really going to have anything else like that in the future i don't think just because it was such a unique instance and it was all because of you know the locals and that local community that like uh, that community was you know hugely built up by that experience too a lot of us got to know each other a lot better and like the to got to know everyone that was coming all these tournaments and christine is such an amazing to in person and so it was mm-hmm. like so many things mm-hmm. about that week rt were just so great that's great yeah something i do recommend if you have any top players listening it's at the end of your locals help your to clean yeah. up yeah help your to clean up and go and go get food with everyone at the end yeah oh that's mm-hmm. like i i think like RT. the tighter bit of a ne- the tighter bit of a friendship knot you can make with your community mm-hmm. the better like it just makes the whole experience more enjoyable yeah and I think another big thing is too is that it's not unheard of, and it's obviously not anything bad. Like to like tos are target, like it's a thing. Yeah. Like they they have to move on with their lives, but I do think that the more love and support they get from the community, the longer there's, the longer they'll stay around, the longer they'll be willing to stay around. And I was gonna bring that up things... earlier because yeah, like we were talking about you know different things that we can do with you know hosting locals in different places at different times of the year, but like one thing that you need is people to actually host them. It's like you can't mm-hmm. just like t- Pokemon can't they just, just say like, up. oh, there is a tournament on this day in this place, and it, it'll just yeah. magically pop up. There has to be like a local person who is willing to set aside a bunch of their time in preparation, and then obviously that whole day to prepare and run and clean up from the tournament and stuff. And so, you know, yeah, the TOs exactly. are very important pieces in this circuit, and I fully agree, Stephen. Like making sure they feel mm-hmm. supported and appreciated and wanted is very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it should local events should not feel like an obligation right. to TOs. And that's one thing I do really, I notice a lot that I think the SoCal crew does a lot. Like, I, I always, whenever I go on my timeline, especially near the late spring thing, I always see, like, cookout barbecue PC. And I'm just like, yeah, 
I've seen them do that in Illinois a few we times. We can never pull that off. Thing. Yeah, I've seen Illinois do it too. Like, even, like, I think, like, I think local scenes, once local scenes get to know each other enough, they can have a lot of fun with their locals too. Like, mm-hmm. for NYJ personally, we had a, a local in... So, if you've ever been to Rockefeller Center in Manhattan, yeah. there's, like, the whole area with all the shops above ground, but then there's a whole, like, little concourse underground that has restaurants, a couple more shops, and it's how you access, like, the ice skating rink and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, right by the the restaurants, there's a bunch of tables, and in the hallway, there's a bunch of tables on both sides of the hallway. People walk through the middle, and then there's tables on both sides. Outlets, you can charge your phone, you can rest, drink your Starbucks for 10 minutes, and then leave. <laughs> but that's where we've had... we've we hosted a PC there at the end of last year, and it was probably some of the most fun I had at a local in a long time. Because it was just everyone messing around in a public space, playing Pokemon, enjoying themselves. And we had some newer players that I thought that I think I probably would have been relatively confused as to why we were playing Pokemon in a in the Rockefeller Center concourse. But I think as the day went on, they got to enjoy, they got to like share in our fun a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, I think I think spur of the moment things and making sure that local scenes are always supported and like getting a tournament in if you can. I think there's really no downside to getting in a tournament if possible. So like even if you have to do it at a low key venue like that, it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, agree. I think I agree with that. The way that you kind of described like a casual atmosphere is at least at least to me when locals are at their best. Um, there's I, yeah, exactly. And nobody was the best part was there were only two people at the event. Uh, even then, like there was around like twenty people i think like mm-hmm. we got it to 24 with parents but like there were only two people there that were interested in the actual cp i'm pretty sure like mm-hmm. besides maybe the two or three people like changing their uh their nats world invite calcs mm-hmm. like it was paul who was going for day two and it was me who was just tr- trying to maintain day two and mm-hmm. and honestly like it was it worked out well i'm pretty sure paul paul won the p paul won the mss i won the pc but it was still everyone still had a good time and it never really felt hyper which yeah. I think what is something we touched on before that would be a major boon to locals if somehow that atmosphere would start back up again. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think some of the, the best regionals that I've participated in have also been those like more casual ones. Um, and the, I've also been to the PCs where it's like, you know, six people and everybody's like going, gunning for it. And that has a time <laughs> and a place too. But I, 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 you know, got into the scene because of how much fun and like enjoying the, the atmosphere at locals. So I think I definitely agree with you in that guard, in that, in, in that regard. <laughs> you got there eventually. Oh man. <laughs> it's, it's for a long week guys. <laughs> um, so Steven, I think you might have even said this at one point, but just to kind of like wrap up this portion of the show here, if you could change one thing about locals, what would it be? Mm. I'd probably change the. I had the first. I, if I had to change one thing, it would be the, the distribution. That's what I was going to say. Think, <laughs> like that's not think, that's not exactly the most like reasonable answer but like with no logistical constraints i would definitely fix the geographical distribution at least yeah i completely agree my first change would be distribution my second would be would be payouts for in terms of championship mm-hmm. points because mm-hmm. i think beyond that like everything else is either minute or region region specific yeah and this thing something that's especially region specific but is changeable on, on like a tpci scale would be distribution because like for example like norcal is a region that has a bunch of really good players but they have absolutely no big local events right mm-hmm. 
And, like, something that happened over the summer was that Jim, like, a T.O. from Ohio, moved from Ohio over to New Jersey. Yeah, right. Yeah. And he's and he's been able to, like, if if we didn't get lucky and have Arbin, who was a former player that became a T.O. because he's still around here and he wants to get back to the community, which I absolutely love. Like, we love you, Arbin. But, <laughs> like, if it, if it wasn't for him, like, with Jen's retirement, Chuck's retirement, and Bob charging $30 for mid-seasons, like, we would have had nothing here in Jersey, Jersey especially. Yeah. And I think like the It'd movement be a shame of to see the region that region get to that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, like the movement of Jim over here, like I really I I don't know how like the geography of Ohio works. Ashton was trying to explain to me, explain <laughs> it to me at a regional, but like I still see them having midseason PCs like almost every other weekend. Right. And like their players are still dominating <laughs> the CP leaderboards. Right, and I really yeah. think it's been it's been nice to see like our region get more of a shot in regards with that yeah. and so i think more distribution would be better like i don't think i've seen a local from like you mentioned alabama earlier i haven't seen a local from there from like yeah. jo- from georgia right. from norcal like seattle like regions that i know for a fact have has has players and really good players at that. right the only person i know of that's running pcs in like that deep south southeast area is uh, joseph remit in mississippi uh, but i think he even struggles to get people to come to his and mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't seen a Mississippi PC results in a long time. It's it's, it's really sad. Like, yeah. I couldn't. No, I think like, like, if I, was me, living I don't in that really region. have much of a like to stand on when it comes to like complaining about a lack of access to locals because the places I've lived in the last few years have been like outside Oklahoma City, which not exactly a bustling Pokemon metropolis. I had to drive either Tulsa or Dallas for tournaments, and now I live in like the middle of nowhere, Texas. So again. Yeah, like I'm not at all expecting to have locals in my town because it's literally just a college town with nothing else. But like mm-hmm. the, the the main reason I haven't been going to locals is because I got tired of driving so long for them. Like when I was mm-hmm. living in Alabama, I had to drive like three four hours to those like Pensacola Mobile PCs, and it was worth it to me at the time. And I'm glad I did it because like again, that's why I have at World's End right in 2015. But it kind of got taxing, and I don't know, I. In an ideal world, I would love to have premier challenges within, you know, an easy drive, but it's not ex- it's not something I also expect. On the other hand, because like again, I don't live in areas that are heavily trafficked. But you know, given like right. a, a genie wish, like snap of the finger, I'd have you know locals in my town every few weeks or so. <laughs> well, if yeah. we're getting rid of logistics in our changes, uh-huh. I would fix the attendance so that everybody yeah, has a yeah. hundred people wow, at their PCs. <laughs> <laughs> if if I was to if I was to uh, give a more uh, more reasonable answer to that question, uh, I'd probably I don't think I really like the well I guess that's more of a snowball thing. I was gonna say I don't really like how they're like based on periods for payouts and everything, but I think it's hard to fix locals as a whole right. without tackling the entire. Locals. I was gonna mention that yeah because yeah, yeah. they're so tied into the I, rest I of the circuit. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it's if I was tightly... to do. If I was to do something more, uh, you know, reasonable within the scope of logistics, I would just make it so that people named Jake can't earn CP. Oh, well, I have zero so far, so... You're shutting out half the community there. (laughs) Shutting out half the community there. All six of us. There are quite a few Jakes. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so for the last little piece of our interview here, I think, Stephen, we we, we usually ask people to prepare a question that they they ask us. So do, do you have one? Are you good to go uh, on that? Not at, not at the moment. I'll come up with something in the next few seconds. <laughs> I think my main question would be, I think it was, it, it, 
it, this question being an on-topic question, there's something that we mentioned before, mm-hmm. and it's how do you guys feel about the idea of local local events at regionals? Guys, oh, oh, I've seen it interesting. Because I've seen because um, I've seen it come in different forms. I've seen it where they've had like two, two both events, Friday and Saturday events, like uh-huh. Friday event, like a Friday PC and then a Saturday NSS and. Mm. I think one of, for me personally, I know this is a different topic because it's regionals, but I think one of the things that does regionals in a little bit is the near required staying time of three days between Friday yeah, and Sunday. Yeah, that was one of the things I was going to mention. But what do you guys think in general about the idea of having local events supplementing regionals? So this is interesting. I think this is the first time we've had a topical question asked yeah. to us. Usually we, we encourage them to be off topic, but this is, that's actually a really good question. Yeah. Um, so, I'll come up with an off topic one where you guys talk. So I think my thoughts on it, and we've alluded to it a couple times over the course of the uh, show here, is that you know mid-seasons and locals were you know originally introduced for another reason. Right. And these like supplemental locals being on top of regionals is like the opposite of the region why they <laughs> reason why they were introduced. I think Jake, you, you said that you know like mid seasons were introduced as this like medium level tournament that fell in between regional season, mm-hmm. and then you know for it to just get you know dumped along with the PC on top of regional weekend, and that's not even to mention you know the time spent because I totally agree with you there, Stephen, is just like feeding into the whole like CP cash grab nature of what the circuit is right now. Right. Um, so mm-hmm. personally, yeah. I'm really not a fan. But, you know, given the fact that they're making you come for this two-day regional, I don't think that that's necessarily, like, the worst option that they could make available for, you know, like, making you commit your whole weekend to it. I think, ideally, mm-hmm. it's not a question because regionals are one day, and then you don't have to worry about it at all. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, this whole three-day thing, you know, I think... Not a fan overall, <laughs> but I, I think that given the state of regionals right now, it's not, like, you know, the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I think my only personal gripe with them is tournaments that happen during cut. I don't think yeah. hosting these yep. tournaments that exclude the best people that came to your tournament is such a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The ones that used to run, so like a lot of times, I think back in 2015, a lot of regionals had premier challenges the Friday night before. Friday PCs were the, the bomb. Yeah, and I think those were fine. Like I, I enjoyed playing in those. They were a fun little tune-up before the regional, and if... Mm-hmm. And if if nothing else, it was like another chance to like see everyone because most people that were already in town were going to be there. Uh, so I I don't I don't I thought those were kind of cool. I kind of liked those like pre-regional Friday night PCs. I don't really mm-hmm. like like the Sunday afternoon during top cut of the regional mid-season showdown. I do think that's kind of too much. But I mean, if you're not streaming it, they're not missing anything. Oh my god, <laughs> mm. that's that's one way to put it. All right. <laughs> so if both of you had to pick. A VDC metagame you've played in. This this might turn a couple heads, but if you had to pick a VDC metagame you've played in, give me a Pokemon from that metagame that you think is extremely overrated and why. Ooh, Jake's gonna talk about fifteen. He said overrated. <laughs> well, he didn't say the format. He said something in the format that was overrated. Or are you talking about the whole format? Oh, yeah. If you had to pick a Pokemon in a format that was overhyped, oh, you don't understand okay. why everyone used Kangas it. Kangaskhan in oh, literally okay. any format. Kangtor. <laughs> not, not even that for me. Like I, I, I feel I very strongly about this. King. <laughs> it's, I don't think Kangaskhan was ever actually that good. That's a, that's like a very it, interesting. Take. I know it's I a hot like take. It was pretty indis- I feel like it was pretty indisputably good in fourteen and fifteen. See, I like fourteen was probably I think at its best. Fifteen, I've not sold. Um, something that was overrated. Silence, Metagross user <laughs> and Salamence. <laughs> 
I was an Obama Snow user, so <laughs> <laughs> the one, <laughs> the one. Um, so I'm trying to think of. I mean, there have been plenty. Of how long did that... you ladder with? How long did you ladder with Obama Snow for when Sun Series ladder dropped on PS? Uh, longer than I'd like to admit. <laughs> I like, spent an awful lot of time trying to make it work. <laughs> I ultimately decided that it wasn't good and that it should stay out of restricted formats, but I think that was something that everybody except me knew. And, and Roger. Hey, man, it's just... I was going to say, yeah, Roger used it too. And Toller, I think. Toller used it at uh, Philly, time. I remember. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey, man, if it was an Xerneas, I think it would have been fine, to be honest. That's, that's even 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 possible. with Sin. Yeah. Yeah, it would have it would have had a role. Um, okay. I believe this brings us to our music section, my favorite part of the podcast. Because mm-hmm. I am a music file. I was trying to think of, like, an as, uh, analog like to cinephile. I don't either. Nice. <laughs> but, like, like cinephile is a nice. movie lover. I Whatever that is for music is me. <laughs> what about, like, a- audiophile? Eh, I don't know. We'll see. Get it. Audiophile. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> okay, whatever. So this is our uh, music oh, recommendation man. portion of the podcast. Since spooky season is officially upon us, my oh boy. my album this week is an album called Turn Off the Light by Kim Petras. She released like a Halloween kind of themed album. And if you want mm-hmm. like your spooky, edgy, like dark, like, I don't know. I completely lost my train of thought there. But if you want to feel like scared and spooky on Halloween, listen to that album. Uh, it's like... I think it holds up the rest of the year too. Like it came out recently, so it's obviously I haven't listened to it any other time of the year. But it's really good music. Uh, it's really fun to listen to. I put it on while I'm working a lot. I've probably heard it like ten to fifteen times already, just in the background. So, turn off the light by Kim Petras. That's mine this week. Oh well, if we're doing October spooky season stuff, mine's the Monster Mash. Monster okay. Mash, boom. <laughs> Mike, I'm kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> mine for this week is I like I'm a big punk fan, and I keep like going back to it. That's like what I default to is like old punk stuff. Um, so I think a lot of people have probably heard of the person Andrew McMahon, but like his one of his first projects, if not his first like big project that was on a record label, is called Something Corporate, and that's my favorite project of his. I know mm. a lot of people are like fans of Jack Ma- Jack's Mannequin, mm-hmm. uh, but the album's called Leaving Through the Window. I listen to that whole album like constantly, nice, constantly, constantly, constantly. Steven? Uh, I don't know. I've been in a last September for me was marked by a. By a very long Billy Joel kick. Oh, so. fun! Ah, and yeah, I'll throw... too, right? Beautiful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, it's, He's a classic. It's, it's, almost, it's yeah. almost Manhattan. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw in Glass Houses as a very underrated Billy Joel album. There you go. I like Billy Joel a lot. Yeah, I think that's the first uh, recommendation we've had from that genre from any of us. Probably, so I'm yeah. Totally yeah. on board with that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that big of a of like an indie sort of like an indie like lesser known group sort of guy. So. And just that's good because they don't play any stuff like that on the radio, so you are good to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You don't have to pay for any music services. I know. <laughs> exactly. All right, so we're gonna wrap up uh, the Stephen portion of our podcast for this week. Stephen, thanks so much for joining yes, us. Thank you. Um, thanks yeah, for having me. I had a good time. Yeah, it was a, a su- super good discussion. I, I, uh, I'm gonna give uh, give us a pat on the back for uh, uh, guest selection for this week, Brendan <laughs> and Jake. Nice job. Go. Us. All right, and. So, uh, Stephen, thanks again. Anybody, anything you want to say before we wrap up this portion, real quick? Um, not really. Like, I think I think the discussion we had was good. I think a lot of the things that are up with the VGC circuit right now, like I think it's a very long list of, I don't want to say grievances, but it's a long list of grievances. And I think oh, just is. having yeah. anywhere that one can 
almost sort of list them out and like discuss like the true reasoning behind them. Because I think whenever what a lot of people discuss what's going on in the VGC circuit right now, they'll say one thing, but they won't realize that that thing is a root cause for another problem or that right. came as a result right. of something else. I think people when if we ever actually get the chance to talk to people who have who have control over these things, like we should be ready with our list of actual problems and solutions instead of our knee jerk sort of yeah, reactions, sure. I think. Right. Yeah, I think right. platforms like this are a great way to get the word out for things like that. Yeah, and at this point, we now have uh, two whole episodes of, or two half episodes of Soundproof that are uh, <laughs> having information like that. Of course, this one with Steven, and then our episode with Justin Burns, which I think was episode number two, mm-hmm. uh, definitely details a lot of the, the circuit, the shortcomings about the circuit and some of Justin's and our proposed ways to fix it. So um yeah i guess those would be to exhibit a and exhibit b uh, i would say without any bias um if anybody <laughs> ever gets a chance to talk to uh tpci just play those pers- podcasts you know if you ever get to talk <laughs> please to pikachu, if you get to talk to pikachu just get <laughs> pikachu <laughs> please hit like, me up I'll, I'll give you a whole script of like perfect things i personally believe you should say to pikachu <laughs> script Nothing mean, just like legit. Anyway, thanks so much, uh, Stephen, for coming on our show. Uh, We are going to take a a break for just a couple seconds, and then uh, we will be back with our uh, usual outro. So stay tuned for just a moment. Hello, everyone, and thanks again for joining us for episode eight uh, of Soundproof. Again, sorry that we were, uh, you know, a week behind, a week and a day, I guess, although I guess technically we're not that day behind because we have officially changed our schedules. Just a week. I'm sorry. I'm going to forget <laughs> I said anything. We're only I a week guess. behind here. Uh, but again, just to reiterate, we will be launching every other Friday from now on. Friday yes. is now Soundproof Day, so please mark your calendars every other Friday. Uh, we don't just in anticipate... Time for your weekend just in time for your weekend and uh you know put it on on your way to the club uh put it on in the club (laughs) (laughs) request a song at the club but it's actually just our podcast it'll be ready for you on fridays (laughs) (laughs) um uh again we don't uh expect to have any you know delays anymore so just every other friday be ready to go soundproof in the club um big thank you to steven for coming on to our show this week um, I thought our topic and our guest was really good for this week, and because of how good the content was, you know, in our opinion, that was, you know, pretty much exactly why we held off on releasing something that we felt might not has have been as good last week. Right. So if you liked this week's episode, that's exactly why we didn't have last week's episode. So just, you know, something to keep in mind. We're just going to continue to throw excuses out there until everybody's <laughs> fine with... I don't think it's really an excuse. You know, I think we just made a decision that we'd rather put something out that we're proud of at a later date than kind of rush something so yeah i like you said i'm very happy with this interview with steven he has some really good things to say and yeah like steven a lot yeah cool guy so but i think you can uh tell us on twitter what you thought about this episode and about uh what you might want to see in the future we have a really cool idea for next week that i think we're both really excited about so Yes, uh, and I think our potential guest is also very excited about it too because he's been yeah. asking us a lot to be on the show. So, like, <laughs> calm down. But yeah, yeah. So that, I think that'll be a good one. But if there's anything you want to see, any constructive feedback, feel free to add us on Twitter, DM us on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, 
Uh, and again, find us on basically anywhere you can typically get podcasts, you know, Spotify, anything that's supported by Anchor. Uh, we're there. Um, Indeed. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for us. And again, come back next time for episode nine, the Blastoise episode of pod, uh, of Soundproof. <laughs> <coughs> so Start naming our uh, episodes by the Pokemon. The Blastoise <laughs> episode. Uh, but until the Blastoise episode, the bla- until the Blastoise, I just <laughs> bye I'm everyone. Losing it. I have so much to do today. Jake, I'm so <laughs> okay, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> see ya.